All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, everybody. Thank you for waiting a week longer for our episode. But I have on a first-time guest and a first-time published author, Sam Hurley. And I wanted to finish reading his book before I had him on, which I've now done. That was a really long intro. Hi, Sam. How are you? That was really long, but sometimes the wait is worth it. I'm really well, Ashley. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so fucking excited. Holy fuck yes! (laughs) So, first of all... Mega congratulations on your book. I just finished reading it. We were talking about it pre-roll because I didn't want to have spoilers on the conversation. Yeah. But I read it in probably like two weeks. And that I had one night where I sat up and I read literally like 180 pages when I was trying to go to sleep. But it was just too interesting. I couldn't put it down. And the third act gets fucking wild. So, yeah. yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you so much. I mean, that was the idea. I wanted to lure people in with a, oh, this is what it is. This is where I think I can see where it's going. And then when you get to the third act, it suddenly hits you in the face of, hang on, everything you think you know is probably wrong. That, and then I forgot to mention to you pre-roll, but there was a really interesting technique that you had where you shifted perspectives between each of the different characters. Because there's at least seven main characters that you hear from their perspectives. And it would go in different paragraphs all in the same chapter in the same page like you would hear and get everybody's perspective so it kind of felt like you were omniscient omnipotent omnipotent yeah yes impotent yes i'm definitely impotent (laughs) ah no leave it in fuck it i'm not as smart as i sound all the time it's okay and i haven't really read anything that told the story in that way and so that was really creative so shout out to that that was the other idea is i basically wanted to create a book that was very unique and different and accessible yet at the same time it's worth it the rereads because there's a lot of stuff in there that in the first part of the book that suddenly makes sense once you know the ending I guess is the best way to describe it without giving too much away it's a good book I think I agree and I feel like it might be once I let Dan read it I might read it again sometime down the road and see what it is like now that I know the ending yeah how the beginning reads i like to do that with tv too where i'll like watch the whole show and then i'll start it over at the beginning and see if it feels different so sometimes it does yep absolutely cool well thank you so much for the kind words oh well i think that the whole podcast is gonna be filled with kind words because today we're talking about daredevil which is a show that i really love so no hater aid today all good things Absolutely. Um, but before we before we get into that, Sam, since you're new to the show, what are some of your favorite TV shows that you grew up on? What are you watching now? What's your jam? Yeah, so I, I mean, I run a movie podcast, Movie Reviews and Twenty Qs, and I've always been a movie guy. I've never really been a TV guy, but like growing up. That being said, like growing up, a lot of my shows I sort of gravitated gravitated towards comedies because you can be really funny for half an hour. And quite often it's really hard to be funny for an hour and a half in a movie. So a lot of the TV shows that I gravitated towards were stuff like Simpsons, South Park, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, That 70s Show, Married with Children. I mean, those were quite a lot of the shows that I watched a lot growing up. But at the same time, I was very much into my cartoons. So, you know, He-Man, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all that sort of stuff. That led on to Batman and X-Men animated series. Yes. And the X-Men animated series was what got me into Marvel. That was really the setting stone for how I've got to this point here, where I I started watching X-Men animated TV series. We used to collect trading cards back in the day. We used to trade Mm -hmm. them at school. I remember those. The yeah, ninety ninety Flare, ninety five Flare Ultra Marvel trading cards. Oh, I mean X Men yep. cards and Marvel annuals. I still got them upstairs. 
my wife is like, hey, why don't we throw these away? You never look at them. I'm like, I'll fucking, I'm going to throw you away before I throw these away. Like, yeah, <laughs> so no. Like, and I have an, an entire box set of uh, the TMNT series, and it came in like a little turtle van, like the little turtle mobile. Oh, I haven't so opened jealous. them yet, but I, I have them. Yeah, that's amazing. So that was, that's what sort of led me to the point here. I mean, now, like, as I've got older, my sort of, like, I, again, I was very anti-TV for a lot of, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, as I was more of a movie guy. But since then, like, TV has just, like, surpassed movies in a lot of ways, to the point now where I watch way more TV than I watch movies. So Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got to that point now where... I'll happily sit down and watch, like, I'll, I'll say to myself, I don't have time for a movie, but then I'll sit down and watch four episodes of a TV series and then go to bed and be like, oh, wait a minute. Like, that doesn't make fucking I sense. I actually, I totally, I think that streaming has changed TV a lot in the sense that there's not so much filler episode and so much, like, bullshit in between, and you can really tell mm. a great story and get a lot of character development. Like, Daredevil, the series we're talking about, has so much going on and it's so well done and is such a great expansion of the Marvel Universe. They could have never told a story like this in a movie. Absolutely. Completely agree. They tried and fuck was that a failure. <laughs> Massively. Oh God, are you talking about the fucking Ben Affleck, Jennifer Garner bullshit? Yes. Oh. Jesus. Uh, let's what about a that fucking... <laughs> yeah. Or even the follow-up, yeah. even the Electra movie. Did you see that one? I honestly, so I don't think I've seen either of them more than just like a few clips here and there. Like I've tried to watch the daredevil movie and I just like, I think it was like on HBO or movie channels. Like, Nope, can't fucking do it. Like after 10 minutes, I'm just like, no, I can't fucking Ben Affleck and his bleach tips. Like no. Yeah. 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 Colin Farrell trying to be bullseye. Yeah. I I watched it. I watched it at the flicks. I remember man, I'll make Spanky is often on my show. Like we were both became massive Marvel guys. And this was one that we were like pretty keen and excited to go see. Kevin Smith was in it, so it was like, this is going to be interesting and shit like that. And it was just abysmal. And then, like, the Electra follow-up, we, we watched that as a joke, and I, uh, the joke was on us. It was like fucking taking a power drill to our foreheads. It was horrendous. <laughs> That's how I felt watching the fucking Halle Berry Catwoman movie. That yes. was... <laughs> it made me ashamed to have a Catwoman tattoo. Like, that was bad. Oh, man. Yeah, I'd, I'd burn that off my skin if I was you. It's too big. <laughs> it's like my entire fucking right shoulder. Oh, Jesus. So I will be transparent as fuck. I asked you today to like postpone for 30 minutes because yeah. I got sidetracked as fuck watching The Handmaid's Tale this week and fucking forgot that our recording was coming up. So like that's what I've been watching. And I it took me like four watches of the first couple episodes in the first season to finally get into it. But like... To use a Bravo idiom, which hopefully Emily from Tasteless Pod will appreciate, <laughs> during season two, you could not drive a straight pin up my ass with a 10-pound sledgehammer. Really? Like, yes. It's fucking tense. It is, yeah. It's, oh. I, it's hard. I have to watch it in small doses because it's like sometimes too heavy and too stressful for me to like be able to watch before I go to bed because like, I just like, oh, yeah. I've got to I've got to give it a try. Handmaid's Tale was on a long list of shows that I'll be meaning to watch. It was it's kind of I don't know if your relationships like this, but ours is very much like, hey, we should watch this TV show, cool. And then one of us actually does, and the other one's like, well, I'm five episodes behind, so I'm not going to bother. So like Handmaid's Tale, Stacy watched the entire first season, and by the time I went to watch it, she's like, oh, I've already seen this. I don't want to watch this. Let's watch something that we can watch together. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. So yeah, that's one I missed out on. <laughs> 
So we don't have that problem, fortunately. There's some shows, like I was keeping a running list of all the TV shows I was watching during quarantine. Yeah. And there was like six or seven of them that I was watching with Dan that had a star on them because we hadn't watched an episode in months. So I like, finally asked him like last week, I was like, Yo, can I just watch Handmaid's Tale without you? And he said yes. And so that's what I did. <laughs> oh, good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I, I usually ask permission, and then, like, neither of us cares much about rewatching things. Like, he'll watch a movie for Netflix and Swill and then sit down with me and watch it again the next day. Mm. Yeah, He's see, a weirdo. I, I can handle that. I can do that, yeah. We have a good working relationship when it comes to entertainment and stuff like that. Uh, excellent. That's good. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, so before we get into Daredevil itself, we're going to go back to 2015, and this is actually the most recent TV series that I've ever reviewed because I didn't have any notes for what happened in 2015. So <laughs> the movies that were popular that year were The Martian, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Jurassic World, Inside Out, and Avengers, The Age of Ultron, the worst of the Avengers movies. Mm, correct. Yep. Correct. <laughs> the TV shows that came out were Better Call Saul, Schitt's Creek, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and iZombie. Mm-hmm. Watched all of all those. Of, I actually... I just got into Shit's Creek over quarantine, too, and I binged it all and finished season five right before they dropped season six on Netflix. So many feels. I, I That's a show I will revisit again. I loved that one. Um, the music. I am not up to date on most current music, but the seven songs that I'm familiar with from that year are... Oh, no, six. Hello by Adele. Cool for the Summer by Demi Lovato. Hotline Bling by Drake. Watch Me Whip, Watch Me Nene by Salento. <laughs> Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. And that's all of them. I don't know any other fucking songs from that year. There was a lot of Fetty Wap. I'm not familiar with that artist, but I know that one of the Housewives' children loved him. Cool. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then Miss Lanish, do you remember the fucking controversy over this picture of a dress and people were like it's red or no it's blue and black and other people were like no it's white and gold did that hit you guys in new zealand yes it's fucking white and gold who the fuck sees this blue and black i can see both what i fucking i can see both if i fucking look i can see both it looks white and gold at first appearance but if i look at it i can see blue and black too oh you're right like if um i did okay maybe you can probably see it from a distance but i found if i cupped my hands over it and really like put my eye to it this looks really fucking creepy at the moment (laughs) (laughs) but like i basically telescope sam looks like he's getting getting ready to fucking take one to the face exactly i legitimately look like (laughs) about to have fucking cum shot all over my fucking (laughs) nose but like i used to like do it like that and like i was like oh yeah i can see the see the different colors but that one threw me man to do anything i can just look at it and be like i can like it just shifts for me maybe that's the artist eye in me and maybe i'm just smarter than everybody else that was confirmed pre-roll just so everybody knows Mm, that is true it could be your mutant superpower. You never know. I w- so, what would you want your superpower to be if you could choose of any? I always thought the Jean Grey level of telekinesis, where I can move things with my mind, including myself, so I can get flight as well as move shit with my mind. I was like, yeah, that's a two for one. That's pretty good. See, teleportation has always been my thing because ah, yeah. then you never have to fucking pay for hotels, housing, really. You can just fucking teleport wherever you want. You can travel wherever you want to. On your 15-minute smoke break, you can go to fucking Tahiti and sit on the beach for 10 minutes. Boom, boom, boom. Everywhere. Done. Yeah, see, but then you would spread yeah. COVID like a motherfucker right now, so we wouldn't be doing that now. That's true. See, that's better than telekinetic flight because, like, 
surely and you like, have to still get there yeah like you, you have to actually get there the time will take to get there plus as well like it's like exercising a muscle what if you're halfway over the pacific and you're like yeah i'm fucked <laughs> you know I mean? yeah you're i wouldn't have to have a car i wouldn't have to fucking pay for gas i wouldn't have to do shit that's a good one I'm changing yeah, my mind. no commute to anywhere. Boom. I I always fucking convert people to teleportation when I explain it like that. That's a good it's one. Fucking awesome. It's Vacation fucking whenever you want it. Go to a remote island if you want to. During this time, you get fucking gross and need a shower. Teleport back into your shower at home. Shower off. Put on your comfy PJs. Sleep in your own bed with your dog. The question is, do you, are you able to teleport people with you, and do I have to teleport my wife and daughter with me? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't this, want to at all. I'm taking it for myself. If other people can get it, good for them. But I'm definitely taking it for myself, regardless of the fucking contingencies. Yeah, you know, like hero and heroes, how you could grab onto people's arms yes. and then teleport people with them, sort of thing. God, how good was the first season of Heroes? By the ah, way, ah, fuck. There was a show that I absolutely loved and then just immediately hated. It was so good. I was so fucking into it. And then I had like a little fucking thing that I started with season two. It was shave the eyebrow, save the world. <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right. So Daredevil yep. aired from 2015 to 2018 on Netflix for three seasons. 39 episodes is rated an 8.6 out of 10 on IMDb. It follows a blind lawyer or a dude who's a blind lawyer by day, a vigilante by night named Matt Murdock, who fights the crime of New York as Daredevil. That was fucking horrendously right. I'm so sorry for everybody's ears. <laughs> <laughs> the short list of who's the stars of the show are Charlie Cox, Vincent D'Onofrio, Deborah Ann Wall, and Eldon Henson. Yep. Say that name three times fast. I'm good. So, <laughs> Sam, what do you love about Daredevil? What do I love about Daredevil? Now, I... While we were pre-rolling, I ran away and told you I need to go get something. And Yes, you did. So I, I listened to your... I've listened to a couple of your episodes, but the one that blew me away was the one that you did with Wayne, where you're talking about how you've got heaps of nerdy shit and sign shit and all this other stuff. I'm just going to show yes. you through the visual medium that is a podcast. <laughs> my Probably my most pre, uh, treasured position, which is a CGC signed copy of Daredevil 181, The Death of Electra. It's been signed oh, by... Oh, snap! It's 9.6. Oh, 9.6 too. Damn, son! Signed by Stan Lee, Claus Jensen, oh and Frank God. Miller. Oh, my God. That is like... Okay. Honestly, if the house started burning down, I don't know what would happen to Stacey and my daughter, but the, who knows? Who fucking knows? I would grab this first. Keep the daredevil under your daughter's mattress. Then you can grab both at the same time. Yes, there and we go. And it won't get crinkled. Two for and one. Because it, it's in the plastic case, so then it's safe. Yeah, until she starts getting heavier and it might get cracked. But for now, you're safe. Absolutely. Yeah. So and like, tell your wife she's on her own. She's a grown ass adult. She better figure it out. Exactly. She's got functioning arms and legs. Yeah. She knows how to hold. I'm a, sorry. Hold a hose and a fire extinguisher. She'll be sweet. <laughs> Listen, we don't need to be rescued as women unless we're hurt and uh, can't move on our own. And you walk away, then you're a dick. But I would do the same thing for a man. So, True. Liz, I hope that's okay <laughs> to say. I, I'm such a terrible feminist because I I don't know what the what the outlines are of things. I'm just like an every person do the right thing type of person. Yeah, same. Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's what I reckon as well. I don't subscribe to any like rigid schools of thought because they tend to get fucking waylined down the road. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so 
a couple of the things that I noticed watching this the first time, like you're obviously a comic book fan. I'm a comic book fan. The way they shot this show, I could literally envision different comic panels for each of the like the shots. Like the way they had Daredevil's apartment windows lit up. Yeah. The fucking um the street lights were all yellow. They had at one point in season three the church was all lit up in red on like un- underlit? Uplit? Yep. Yeah. There's um other scenes where who was it? Leland in the first season he's talking to somebody and all it is is their silhouettes, but the lights reflecting off of his glasses just like it would in a comic book panel. Yeah. I feel like it just captured the vibe so well. It did. And that was like I obviously sidetracked myself there to show my love for Daredevil, but No, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I I I tied it in because it's a comic book and I'm talking about the comic bookiness of it. Exactly. And now you're talking about the vibe. And I'm just going to say that that was probably the thing that sold me the most on this because the MCU and, you know, technically this is tied into the MCU. They do have references through to the MCU about the, you know, event in New York and all that sort of shit. But it's very loosely tied to the MCU. But the thing that I like the most about this is like the likes of Daredevil and of course of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and to a certain level Iron Fist, but definitely Punisher, as these characters are dark and gritty and gruesome and brutal and you need that. You need the blood. You don't need the wacky jokes every five minutes. You know what I mean? You need that sort of organically dark, sort of serious undertone. And literally from the first season, I was just completely hooked by the way it was like, Yes, we are with this dark, gritty TV series. We'll we'll torture dudes. We'll have dudes get impaled on like you know spikes coming out of like the wall and shit like that. We'll have people get brutally murdered. It, we'll have swearing. It, it was so good. It was so good at capturing what that was all about, and that was like the thing that just sold me on it. Really, it was the most realistic interpretation of the way that comic books are today. Because I yeah. feel like sometimes the movies are like more of the golden age of comics where it's like kind of the blue boy scout is superman and stuff like that where it's not really showing what it would be like to actually be a superhero in today's world which is the more interesting dynamic in my opinion yeah absolutely the the only movies i feel like came close to it is but even deadpool came out in 2016 so that came out a year after this and logan was very similar as well like that was an r-rated superhero Mm -hmm. The only one that i can think of that comes close is um lexi alexander's punisher warzone which came out 2008 and like, was I, that the Thomas Jane one? No, not the Thomas Jane one. It was the one that no one saw. It was the oh. Ray Stevenson one where... Yeah, I like that dude. Yeah, yeah. I like that dude as well. But it was like they had parkour guys jumping through the air and getting hit by RPGs and shit. They're like, she realized when she made that movie just what that character is like. He's like preposterously stupid. And that's how you have to play it. And like you can tell when Drew Goddard, who was the showrunner on um, the first season of Daredevil, knew what Daredevil was like. He was like, he's this conflicted Catholic guy that, you know, wants to do right and wants to be a vigilante, but at the same time is sort of holier than now and tells all his friends, no, don't do what I do sort of thing. And he, he nailed it. And to bring what Frank Miller did with the character, to bring that to the TV series was just like, it was just phenomenal because for a long time, a lot of comic book properties and like in the Ben Affleck Daredevil and shit like that, never really got what made the comics good. And they sort of put that to the side and said, no, we've got to have the sort of wacky, you know, like old Superman levels of like just wackiness. That's what a comic book movie has to be like. It's like, no, we don't fucking want that. Our times, our tastes have changed. And that's what I loved about the series. So you mentioned the Catholicism. One of my other things that I loved about the show was like his conversations with Father Lantham and like the whole religious aspect of it 
in con- like comparison to like what he was doing and why he was driven the way he was. There was a part when um he was basically told Frank that he could kill the blacksmith that he crossed himself right when he before he said he could. Like it's just that whole added layer of conflict within him is just so interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely. I it's just it's ah uh, yeah they just nailed the character because that's who he is like he i mean admittedly and i've got a little bit more to say about this later he started off as quite a goofy wacky sort of stanley creation in the 60s and then changed once frank miller got his hands on him but that daredevil is the one that daredevil fans like myself know and love that's the daredevil we want which is the conflicted one which is the willing to do anything except not kill people except you know has to when he has to you know and yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the arc between him and Punisher later, but man, there was so much oh, goodness in this. Yeah. The other thing that stood out to me on this rewatch was the fucking fight choreographers for this yes. series deserve a medal. Like, holy fucking shit. Some of these fights, not only are they well shot and they show everything and like the like stunt people are doing great jobs, but like... The number of fucking fights and the longevity of them, there's so mm. much to memorize and to like get together. And then to add one shots on top of that for a few of them is just like bananas. Yeah, those one shots. I mean, I I mean, it, like the first season we get a one shot down in the hallway of a basement. And like I was literally going into season two thinking, how could they top that? And they're like, oh, you want one hallway? How about multiple hallways and a stairwell? And then yeah. after that, I was like, oh, they can't beat that. And then sure enough, season three, how about a whole fucking prison scene that goes for 15 minutes? How about that? Fucking insane. Unreal. Ah, oh, I'm so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I feel like there used to be a stigma with comic book fandom that like it was nerdy and it wasn't cool. But I, I feel like the shift... Might have been aided by this as well as by the Marvel movies, but like now it's a completely different entity where you can bring in all of this huge talent in every aspect of the entertainment industry, and it's like a big blockbuster deal. Yeah, it's just cool. Absolutely. All right, so who are some of your favorite characters from the show? How long? How long do we have to record? I mean, seriously. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six. And I limited myself. So you just say as many as you want. I don't care. Oh, I've got seven. Okay. I've got seven. I'm gonna if you match me, then I'll say and we'll talk about the character, okay? Okay. So first of all, Charlie Cox is Matt Murdoch as Daredevil. Does not match. Does not but match. Oh. I no, it's not so it's nothing about how the character's written or like the performance or anything like that. It's about the characters that I feel an attachment to and that I love and I like they make me happy. Yeah. So it's nothing against him and his performance, but I just did not relate to him. And I didn't like, he wasn't my like boy that I was rooting for. I was rooting for other people. See, I, something about him struck a chord with me. Maybe it's the, like having a fucked up father relationship with your parents, all that sort of shit. And then, and torturing yourself for no real reason, as well as like, I don't know. There's yeah. There's something about him that I just, I saw myself in him and I saw the decisions he was making. They felt organic and because that's part of the biggest problem with a lot of um, a lot of movies and stuff like that, it, is because as a New Zealander, obviously as people can tell by my accent, watching American films. You're from New Zealand. Yeah, that's right, sweet ass. And <laughs> anyway, as a New Zealander watching these like TV series and shit like that, it's hard for us to watch some of them and be like, "Fuck, the Americans are stupid. Like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? You know, like the whole time." Whereas with Matt Murdock, it was like. I can see the decisions he's making. I can see why he's making them. And they feel organic. They feel like the type of decisions I'd be making if I was in his shoes. 
I feel like his character arcs all made sense. He pissed me off a lot. There are, like, there's a lot of shit that pissed me off that I was like, oh, fuck, come on, bro. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, he's having goes at Foggy about doing the wrong thing when really Foggy is like, and we'll talk about him soon. Um, but he's like, you know, having yeah, goes at Foggies oh, and shit. And he's like letting down Foggy and stuff like that and, you know, falling into the Electra trap basically in the second season, all that sort of shit. There was parts that pissed me off, but at the same time, I just, I really dug him. Maybe it's because I don't see myself in him because I would never fucking be doing all the shit he's doing. That looks exhausting to me. So, like, <laughs> I appreciate you doing it. Like, it's just, he, no knocks against him. I just didn't vibe with him in a way that I did with, say, Melvin Potter. That's one of my favorites. I love oh, Melvin. Oh, he's good. He's good. He's not down on my list, but he's good. So, like, because I I have the, do you, are you aware of, like, his uh, comic book alter ego, Gladiator? <laughs> Am I you know, a weird? <laughs> yeah, I'm just making sure. I don't know. Absolutely. I'm just making sure. Yep. So when he picked up like the circular saw things and was like chucking them across, like that was a moment that was really cool for me. Yeah. Some of their fights were great. But then he had such a good heart and it just, I love Melvin. He was. He was a genuinely sweet dude who found himself yeah. in awkward situations and was trying to do the best with what he had, which was pretty yeah. awesome. He was pretty genuine, just looking out for the love of his life, you know, getting manipulated a little bit here and there, but standing up for himself as well. He was good. So that's no knocks against Charlie Cox and Matt Murdock. Charlie Cox gives a fucking amazing performance and everything that he does. Like, it is impossible for me to not believe that he is actually blind yes. and American. Yes. It's fucking impressive as shit. Yeah, absolutely. Who is one of, who is some of your other favorites? Uh, Claire Temple, aka Night Nurse. Okay. Yeah, not on your not list. On my list. <laughs> I mean, first of all, it's Rosario. I feel like if we were doing, if this was a fucking countdown episode, we would be fucking cussing each other up and down right oh, now. Oh, absolutely. We'd be ripping <laughs> each other to shreds. I'm surprised. I'm surprised because, like, I mean, you've got seven, I've got six, but that sort of sort of shows the diversity of the cast in this. Right? Um, but first of all, it's Rosario Dawson, who has long been one of my sort of crushes, basically. That being said, Claire as a character is almost like his consciousness in the first season and then by the second season she only pops up for a couple of memorable roles and again she's being that conscious and she's like what are you doing you don't need to protect this hospital what are you doing what are you doing and she's like fighting to defend herself and all that sort of shit rather than just being a damsel in distress we actually see her become this character who almost becomes the nick fury of the mcu on you know the netflix series where she knows yeah. all the different characters she's flying between them she's you know introducing them and all that sort of shit at the same time, she's got real sense of drive and purpose, and she, yeah, she's just an awesome character for me. Okay, so one of my ones was Madame Gao. That is a bad motherfucking bitch right there. Yep, she's on my list. Yep. She's so much fucking more threatening and more scary than she ever appears to be, and is so much more ahead of the game. And then I loved when she came back in season two. Yeah. And she's just painting, and she's, like, not fucking sweating anybody. Like, Daredevil comes to her, and she's like, all right, motherfucker, whatever. She's smooth as fuck. I love Madame Gal. Yeah, Madame Gal, for sure. Uh, I've never been terrified of a little Asian lady in her 70s or 80s or whatever in my entire life. But if I saw that lady come down the street, I would run for the fucking hills. And she'd fucking smile in your face and drink tea with you and then ruin your life. She had all those motherfucking dudes, like people that worked for her, blinded themselves. Like fucking dark ass shit with her. Absolutely. I love it. Okay, who else do you have? I'm curious now to see how the rest of our list match up. Oh, F Fisk, surely. Wilson Fisk? 
Yeah, that's definitely. Kingpin is a hundy P. He was my number two, but I felt like you would have him, so I was going to wait for you to say him. Yeah, I mean, how do you not say enough nice things about his character? Like, he took the show from being like a pretty good show to a great show, I think. So much so that when he pops up again in season two, you're like, oh, fuck, that's right. I forgot how awesome this bastard is. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then season three as well, he just hits his peak. Like, out of out of all these characters, I'd love to see Charlie Cox in the MCU. But, oh, man, Vincent D'Onofrio, if you put him in a Spider-Man movie or something like that, man, I would lose my shit. I would absolutely lose he my shit. He is so fucking scary. Yes. Like, he plays it so well. And I told you um, off air that I've been reading Sherlock Holmes. So, like, especially in season three, I was getting, like, major Moriarty vibes from him where he's just, like, fucking spider web of crime. And he's got all of this shit, like planned out and orchestrated and he's untouchable basically so like he is head and tails above pretty much any comic book villain that's been portrayed in any form of media that i can think of oh absolutely i like i don't even think feel like there's anyone that's come close aside from i mean in marvel there's certainly no one's come close like people say he fled his joker obviously he was probably one of the best comic book villains of all time but that being said, you're like you spend way more time with this character, so you get to lo- know more about him. And what I love about him is the dichotomy of him because he's like this terrifying physical presence who's like also a super brain, but at the same time, there's just this vulnerability about him. And it's just like the Vanessa becomes a vulnerability as well as like you can see what happened to him in his childhood and how he's still got these childish impulses and you know like outbursts and stuff like that. So you see he's got flaws and weaknesses, but at the same time. Man, the second that one of them looks like they're about to exploit them, like um, a certain Daredevil does at the end of season two, he just flips. And you're like, oh, that's right. This guy is is the man. Yeah. He's like a fucking silverback beating on people's <laughs> chest. And then, like, I've noticed this time that the first, I think, two or three times that we're even introduced to Kingpin, because it takes until the third episode before he's even on the screen. Mm. It's with Vanessa, and it's showing this vulnerable side, and it's showing the sweet side. And then the next scene you get, the first scene you get without him and Vanessa, it's him smashing the dude's head in the fucking car door to nothing. So it's just like, fuck this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gave the impression that he doesn't want to get his hands dirty, and then you see he has no fucking problem being savage as fuck. Absolutely. So yeah, Kingpin, Wilson Fisk, my employer, whatever, is the shit. Um, I had Punisher on my list. Oh, Do you co- have Punisher on your list? I was literally about to say, oh, I think the other big crossover we're going to have is Punisher. Oh my God, I love him so much. John Bernthal is amazing. Growing up, Punisher was like my favorite character. Like I had, like, I don't know, like everybody that likes him has these weird fantasies of just like going out there and murdering all the people that have done you wrong, all the people that deserve to die that are getting away with it, all that sort of shit. And... Thomas Jane's Punisher mm, wasn't for me. Dolph Lundgren's Punisher definitely fucking wasn't for me. That was probably one of the worst <laughs> fucking films I've ever seen in my life. To the point that I got so fucking excited when I found out there was a Punisher movie. I was like, oh my God, there's a Punisher movie. We can watch it, boys. He's got Dolph Lundgren. He was good in Rocky Four. You know, <laughs> like he ruined He-Man oh. for me. Surely he's not going to ruin Punisher for me. And he did. He fucking ruined Punisher. And then... I can't say enough good things about Lexi Alexander's Punisher Warzone. I feel like that was ahead of its time. But then when we got John Burnfall, I was like, this is the Punisher. This is Frank Castle. This is a man on a mission who is just like so tunnel visioned. He does not give a shit about where he is and what he's doing. And how he just knows he needs to get there. That's all he cares about is getting there. And even like the first 
thing that happens that involves him when they he shoots the whole fucking Irish mob and they think it's like an army that got him. Shit like that. You're just like, okay, this motherfucker is not to be trifled with. Yeah. He's a bad motherfucker. And then you can still see like he only he's kind of like Dexter where he only kills the bad guys and you kind of like can feel safe with him if you're a good person. So like him and Karen's relationship is kind of sweet. I just he's a good guy. When he tells that fucking I'm getting ahead of myself, but one of my favorite moments was in season two, the end of episode four, when he and Daredevil are sitting in the graveyard, oh, yeah. and he's telling about that day at the carousel and the fucking shit with his daughter and h- how her face looked after she got shot the fuck up. That whole fucking scene breaks my heart. So he's covering a broad range of performance, and he nails it. Yeah. As any sort of hot, red-blooded man, we entertain these fantasies of being able to do the shit. And as much as I entertain <laughs> fantasies that I could dress up in a suit and go out and beat up people at night and have them arrested, you also entertain these fantasies that if something happens to my family, that I would get vengeance on all the different mobs. That Not that we have one single mob in New Zealand at all, but I'll, we, I'll get vengeance on all of them. I'd, I'll track them all down. I'll get my vengeance. Of. You watch that as a male and you're just like, oh, fuck you. I'd totally do that. Never mind that I'm like massively overweight, unfit, got a bad hip, all that sort of shit. <laughs> I'm convinced. I'm convinced I would still t- had no military training or experience whatsoever. Have no idea what I'm doing. I, I totally. It would kick in. Yeah, it would kick in. The punisher would take It'll over. Just kick in. Yeah. Oh yeah, you've seen enough comic stuff. You know what to do. It's fine. Absolutely, absolutely. You got this. Okay, who else is on your list? Uh, Karen. Karen Page. Nope. Nope. Ah, oh, I, I, I feel like as a character, she is frustrating and annoying. Yet that's what I like most about her. You know what I mean? Like she she flows between Foggy and Matt quite effortlessly. And she sort of becomes a conduit between them. And I just, as as the seasons go on, like in the first season, you're like, oh yeah, she's there. And then in the second season, you're like, you know, she develops this relationship. And you're like, oh, well, you know, I know they had a relationship in the comics. Is, is this really necessary? Or is she just becoming a you know, like a setup before we get to the Electra storyline, which is fine. But by the time we get to the third season, we actually see her history, her backstory of who she was, the experiences we had, and I'll talk about some more of this later. But we and we see her develop as a character. I sort of, I grow way more of an affinity for her. And I feel like Deborah Ann, is it Wall or Mole? Deborah Ann Wall? Wall. Wall, yeah, that's right. W-O-L-L. W-O-L-L. Yeah, I feel like Deborah Ann Wall has been incredibly shortchanged by Hollywood and... Uh, after the series because I feel like she crushes in this and she hasn't been in anything since. No, she's talented as fuck. She can cry like nobody's business. Yeah. But yeah. And she can portray this vulnerability, but at the same time, like her relationship with Frank as well, like you mentioned, it just brings out the best in Frank, but at the same time, it shows just how awesome she is. Yeah, there's something about her. She's a badass for sure. Yeah. She was just a little too tearful for me to be like yeah i really like you go girl like please stop crying please and stop kissing matt in the rain it's weird i don't like their i didn't let i did not get down with their romance at all it felt really uncomfortable for me like a brother and sister thing okay so lawyer foggy is one of my favorite characters and i'm differentiating this from a different facet of his character that i'll talk about in least favorite characters yeah but when foggy goes into fucking lawyer mode he is unstoppable like the first season he eviscerates marcy in the fucking um lobby of the law office and then the second season he breaks up that fight in the hospital and he tells the dude verbatim he's like you have face tattoos that basically screams i know what prison meatloaf tastes like he's just fucking awesome 
lawyer foggy for the window. And even at the Punisher trial and stuff like that. And then when he's doing like the DA speeches in the third season, like when he goes into that mode, you can see like a passion that comes out in him and he's fucking quick and he's smart ass and he's awesome. What I loved the most about that was that after it finishes, he's almost like, he shits himself. He like just goes back into a normal person. He's like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. You know, and that's what I love the most about him because I, I see, like he's on my list. I see myself more in him than I see in Matt because, you know, like I can do my job really well and then I walk away just like, how the fuck did I pull that off? Like that, that shouldn't have gone exactly. the way that it happened. Like what the hell is going on? And another one that, was similar that I, I would call lawyer foggy is when he goes to the the dogs of hell and he walks in there and he's like i need to talk to someone and you're just like this guy is gonna get fucked up like but he yeah. doesn't give up he's just like oh i know this guy i know this guy i know this guy and he's just keeps trying to find something to hang on to to try and push himself forward to keep the story moving and i was like you know like as much as matt's a badass he's got superpowers you can do that foggy ain't got shit He's just got his fucking, yeah. you know, like his bloody, I don't know, talk. That's all he's got. He's got the gift of the gab. That's all he's got. And yet he utilizes it in such an awesome way. And it always comes out just exactly when it needs to and does exactly what you need it to do. Absolutely, yeah. It's He's the fucking regular man, everyday hero. Yeah. Um, my last favorite character is father lantum i loved him yeah he's just kind of like a guiding light and he has like because i liked the religious aspect of it even though i'm not really down with religion i liked the competing thought processes and like what caused that conflict in matt and hearing father lantum give him advice i can't think of any examples because my memory is shot to shit uh thank you marijuana (laughs) and then like the whole shit that happened in the third season when Matt's giving him shit about like not telling him that Maggie was his mom, mm. and then he like dies for Karen. Like he's just such a good guy. He is an awesome guy. He becomes like the Uncle Ben in a lot of ways. Like he sort of helps justify what he's got to do as well. Is on top of that sort of thing. He like helps like when Daredevil goes to him, go, I've got this problem. This is happening, sort of thing. In a roundabout way, he's just like, well, you know, you can do this and you can do that, and it'll be all right, sort of thing. And I'm like, oh, that's good. That's really good. He's, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. All right, who are your last ones? Uh, we've covered all of them except for one. I really liked um, Ben Ehrlich in the first season. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I liked how he was the sort of grizzled old journalist who was just sort of, I don't know, there was a, like a level of pessimism about him that I liked. And I liked the way he sort of took Karen <laughs> under his wing and sort of helped her along. And he didn't, even when he knew shit was going wrong, he didn't give up. He didn't f- no. back off. He just kept going on the story and all that sort of shit. And I feel like there's a um, a determinism or determined, like, that I'm kind of jealous of in a lot of ways. Like, I see how determined he is, and I'm like, oh, man, I wish I could be like that. Yeah. But it was to his detriment, so yeah. maybe you don't want to be like that. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe it's better to be a little apathetic. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I've got probably more self-preservation than he does, that's for sure. Yeah. Right. I feel like Ben's story was really fucking sad, too. Like, his whole wife situation yeah. was tragic. Yeah. He was just, like, trying to get extensions for insurance, and I was, oh, it hits a little close to home. That's sad. Yeah. Not that close to home, but, like, still, like, it was, it was, he was good. I didn't like the way he went out. I felt really bad for that, and then his wife, like, had to outlive him when nobody was expecting that. Mm. sucked. Yeah, absolutely. Wah, wah. Okay, who do you hate? Who are your least faves? Electra. Holy fuck. Yep. God. My number one with a bullet point. I, I don't know whether it was the performance. I don't know if it was be- the way the story was written, but maybe they just can't translate that story, you know, the Matt and Electra romance into a visual medium because it sucked in the movie. And in this, I wouldn't say it sucked, but I just, I couldn't stand her. 
I just couldn't stand it. It didn't her. make sense. No. It just didn't make any sense why Matt would fucking go to a fucking place of being an absolute moron for five episodes yeah. or more. He started acting out of character, and I don't think that she was bad. I don't think it was her performance, but I think her character was written super fucking annoying. Yeah, 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 yeah. And admittedly, like, the Electra in the comics, like, for instance, the one I showed you, like, that whole story arc that Frank Miller wrote, like, they portrayed her pretty accurate to the comics, but I feel like it needed a modern updating, you know? Like, we needed to make the character a little bit more fleshed out than just this hot girl that Matt can't say no to that's kind of insane and does whatever the hell she wants. You know, like, we needed more to her than that. Well, there was nothing redeemable about her, nothing for anybody to, like, get on board with and like her for anything. Exactly. Like, we find out her dad dies, but she's been acting like a piece of shit before her dad died, so she hasn't changed at all. Like, she's just a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. She's just the worst. And her episodes, like that little five-episode arc in the middle of season two, is definitely the weakest bit of the show for me. It ruined the Defenders for me as well. I don't think I watched the Defenders. Oh, wait, yes, I did, because I kept thinking in season three that Electra was going to come back with the hand. I was like, why do I remember this? But it was from that. Yeah, it was from the Defenders, yeah. Yeesh. All right, who else do you hate? Uh, I can't remember the name of the guy, but Karen's boss at the newspaper and Ben's boss. You know the oh Ellison. Ellison, that's the one. The bald guy of the beard. I like Ellison. Dude, I, I know us bald guys are supposed to stick together, hence why me and Dan are you know buddies or whatever. But like, <laughs> I can't stand him. I just found him so frustrating and annoying. Like I like some parts where he's like motivating Karen, sure, but you don't need me to be a complete fucking dickhead about it. Okay, I've had bosses like him, so that's probably why I hate him. Ah, oh, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the cruel to be kind. Ha ha, this will get the best out of you. When really, really the employee's going, oh, fuck, you're a dick. I can't wait to get out of here. There is uh, a show on Bravo called Below Deck Mediterranean, and the yacht captain on that show is Sandy, and she is an almost an identical person. Her management style, everything. <laughs> to my former manager, Cindy. So Cindy and Sandy, I'm convinced, are the same fucking person. Mm. The passive aggressiveness, the fuck. Anyways, that's a whole fucking thing. I don't. But so I get like not being able to like a person because they remind you of a boss that you don't. Yeah, like. absolutely. Long story short, uh, I did not care for uh, emo Foggy when he found out that Daredevil and Matt Murdock are one and the same, and he was being a little whiny piss ass yep. bitch. Like I could not. He was annoying the fuck out of me. He's like, oh, you don't like me anymore. We're well, just doing this because you're Daredevil. Yeah. It was too much. Yeah, yeah, fo- yeah. I, I didn't like that Foggy too much either. Who else is on your shit list? Anybody else? Those were the main ones. Okay, my last one was Maggie. I was not a fan of the, oh, yes. her character at all. Oh, God, yeah. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need a fucking, it felt like a throw-in thing to have like, oh, here's Matt's mom, surprise, twist. I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, here's Matt's mum, and she's so poorly created and fleshed out that you're just going to be like, oh, go away. Yeah, you get like a five-minute flashback of her meeting Jack and then having wicked postpartum, which I know nothing about, so okay. But that's it. That's all you get for her backstory, and then she's just crying because she fucking couldn't own up to being Matt's mom. Exactly. The end. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So... (laughs) What are some of your favorite moments, episodes, whatevers that's come to mind? Well, my favorite season was definitely season three because, oh. um, like, I've already shown you that obviously I have a lot of love for Daredevil, but 
or what I was going to go into is that for a lot of people that read the Daredevil comic, he actually started off as like a bit of a joke. You know, like he in the comics, he was like, um, he used to have this fictitious brother that Matt Murdock created called Mike Murdock, who had he used to be able to see he used to come in and troll karen and foggy and just be a complete fucking dickhead and then leave and then matt burdock will come in similar to how you don't see clark kent and superman in the same place it used to be like oh has my brother been here and he's like yeah he's been an absolute jackass and it's like but that what the fuck like this is this is some childish shit but then as it went on you know like frank miller took over we got the um electra storyline the death of electra all that sort of shit but then we got the born again storyline which it, it, for me is like my like my ultimate comic series or like you know story arc or whatever like yeah sure watchman's great dark knight returns all that sort of shit are great all that sort of stuff but for me born again is the one that i was like this is the tits and then when i saw them actually turn that into a season which was season three when matt's lost everything he's trying to struggle his way back uh like in the born again storyline karen's become a drug addict and she gives up matt's identity and shit like that we see in this that she's got a drug past they sort of brought that all together and then bullseye as well ah bullseye it was just a great season Bullseye was a hard motherfucker, dude. Yeah. When they were having that showdown in the bulletin, he was like throwing all the office supplies at Matt. Like that shit was amazing. I don't understand why Matt went back to the fucking black suit and had no armor yet again. That seemed like a really dumb idea. Like I get not wearing the red <laughs> suit, but like you can't fucking protect yourself with anything more than a thermal buddy. Yeah, exactly. And some Muay Thai ropes at the end. That's it. Fuck it. Go wear a yellow one. Be like your original comic design. <laughs> That's what I yeah, wanted. Yeah. That was so at the end, it's like, what it, you would have changed. I wanted the fucking yellow suit in the third season. Mm. That was the only thing that I felt was missing from this little, I mean, I would have liked to have seen a fourth season, but I feel like third, three seasons, it's good enough. But that yellow suit would have been. Yeah. If Melvin had been awesome. like, I'm working on this prototype. Sorry, it's not usual colors. And it's like yellow. And he's like, fuck it, it will do. That would have been like, oh, this, <laughs> this is cool. Yes. Oh, because then he said something about like how his shop got burned down and he had the other one. I was like, let him go and get in the yellow suit. Absolutely. But he didn't. Um, aside from that, like other favorite parts. I mean, we mentioned the one shots. Those were the ones that were like, holy shit, the series is well put together. And yeah, and the other the other part that like just immediately springs to mind is that, like you said, the Punisher Daredevil confrontation on the roof where he's like, you have to oh, shoot yeah. this guy. You have to say, or you know, or you have to shoot me to save this guy's life. I was like... This is similar to the storylines. Like, this is like Punisher and Deadpool have had so many run ins together. And Punishers often tried to break him mentally and be like, you need to be a complete piece of shit like me in order to be a real hero. You know, I'm like, fuck, this is yeah. awesome. Like, who's actually doing good here? Me, who's getting rid of these people forever, or you, who's just like keeping them around to continue doing horrible shit? Yeah, as Punisher says, you know, you beat them up, you put them in the hospital, put, they go to jail, and then they're back on the streets the next day. I, when they go down, I make sure they stay down. I'm like, ah, oh, yes. Yes. I had a fucking, like, my two favorite parts with Kingpin where when Daredevil and Kingpin first meet, there's like when Matt's at the art gallery with Vanessa and she's like, oh, you can ask him yourself. And he walks in and it's slow motion with that like yeah. music. And then they played the same music when Fisk fucking escaped custody and was like walking across the bridge. Like, and it all slowed down. Like those are some fucking intense moments. And I fucking loved those. Yeah. The other intense and other favorite sort of, wilson moment was how he got him into it got punisher into the other side of the jail and then basically like i, I don't know and maybe this is the writing of the show but i was somehow convinced that that was the end of it like or like fisk was actually helping frank 
and you know and i was thinking oh, i was man. like he's gonna go in there he's gonna murder that guy and all that sort of shit and then when fist comes strolling out and basically says yeah i run this entire place and just leaves frank alone in that hallway and then frank's like you think you don't cage a fucking animal like me bud and then just fights his way out of there i was like this is the tits this is so fucking good everybody just so one of my favorite like I, there's not really running gags in this show, but there were some things that were fairly nonsensical that I count as running gags. One of them is how long people stay knocked out when either Daredevil or Punisher like knocks them out. Like the fucking dogs of hell battle down the stairs. Yeah. He battled like 50 people and everybody just stayed the fuck knocked out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was amazing. That was like, I believe that Frank Castle would knock people out and they would fucking just stay down. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I would not get back up for that motherfucker. You're talking about running gags as well. Um, you're right. Like I, I know that's one of your questions on this thing, and there's not really many. But one of one of the running gags, and also one of my favorite moments, was when Turk Barrett shows up. You know, the the arms dealer. Yes. <laughs> Every time he pops up, I'm like, this is gonna go sideways for this dude, and it always does. And I'm like, this is amazing. That was one of the ones that I had. Um, Another one was like the first season every time Matt has to explain his bumps and bruises and he's like I walked into a door I did this and that and it was like they got kept getting more and more preposterous and never was just like really dude. <laughs> yeah. And then what was the last one? Oh, fucking Daredevil Spidey senses. He's in that room in like the abandoned building with all the cops surrounding him and like Claire's on the phone. She's like what's around you? And he's like Listing everything, he's like a roadside emergency kit, some duct tape. I'm like, how the fuck would he know that? Yeah, yeah. How would he know that? Well, he does have a heightened sense of smell. And that makes me wonder, because he uses it in the Defenders, where like one of them's bringing, the, they're in the um, Asian restaurant, and one of them brings out something, and Luke Cage goes, oh, is that pork? And he goes, no, no, that's prawns. That one's pork. Uh, and then other stuff too, where he's like, he's telling the smell of stuff. And I was like sitting there thinking, okay, so has Matt gone into a hardware store with the shop assistant and go, hang on, I need to buy something. <laughs> okay, what's this? Is like, okay, that's a roll of duct tape. Cool. Okay, okay, I've got to remember that. Okay, what's this? <laughs> now I know forever. That's spray paint. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, I remember that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, there was another time in season three when he called Dex through, like with Felix's phone. I was like, how did he call Dex on somebody else's phone? Siri? Like, how do you find the number, oh, yeah, true. I guess? Yeah. Motherfucker, no. Spidey, he sees a world on fire. Sure, he sees the phone. Whatever. True. Okay, what don't you like about the show? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned to her, but the whole Electra storyline, I was just something about it. And even when Stick pops up, I, I was so sick of him as well. Like, I wouldn't necessarily put Stick yeah. as a character that I hated, but at the same time, he's sort of outstayed his welcome in a lot of ways so that when him and Electra kept popping up and popping up and doing what they're doing I was still like ah oh, I'm over this well he was just super one note like he didn't bring a whole lot to the show except for like just beating the fuck out of Matt and telling him that we have to like win this yeah. war it was just the same shit over and over again yeah absolutely yeah but we were talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when you said stuff that you used to watch. Are you aware of the like similarities between Daredevil and TMNT? Uh, are you aware that they basically have the same origin story? Yes. yes. And that like stick is splinter and then Electra in the hand, but then it's like the foot clan and TMNT yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. apparently Yay. the radioactive ooze that landed on Matt Murdock's face was a radioactive ooze that went down and created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Although because the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles didn't have the rights to Marvel at that time, they were their own property. They basically had to allude to it without confirming it. Yeah. That's fucking so That's cool. That's awesome. I love that. Um, Let's see. Let me just, let's go over real quick. So the first season is my favorite season. And I feel like that's just because the third season, 
kind of like kept getting it was like way higher stakes and I kept thinking it was going to go a certain way and it didn't but I feel like the first season kept it smaller stakes and it felt more I don't know relatable understandable realistic the 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 fucking third season got crazy yeah the third season got crazy and I think that's probably like that and obviously my personal adoration of that comic book line it sort of made me like that season a bit more the thing I liked the most about the first season though was it was almost like you know sort of like a monster of the week type thing where every episode it was a different gang you know it was like the Russians are problematic yeah. now the Chinese are problematic now the Japanese are problematic and just sort of lo- you just like leveling up leveling up leveling up until we got to Wilson Fisk and I, I really loved that I thought that was a great part of the first season. I will say, though, in the third season, I got really fucking excited because we finally got to see Fisk in the white suit, and they started, like, alluding to him as his code name, Kingpin. Yes. Like, Ugh. that shit was fucking boss. Yeah, that was a great reward. That was really exciting. Yeah. And then my other one other favorite moment I forgot to mention was when we first see Daredevil in the red suit. That was fucking badass. Yeah, that was cool. The whole thing with him being, like, the devil, but he's Catholic, and, like, he, he's portraying, like, this other side, and then people think that he really is the devil because he can hear everything. It's just, like, that whole fucking cool aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I would say the bookends of season two are also, like, the first four episodes of season two are some of the best TV I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. That was, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. The first, the start of season two was phenomenal. The problem I had, obviously, is that then led into the Electra storyline, which sort of didn't feel, didn't fit too well with me, as well as the Punisher sort of arc about the blacksmith and all that sort of yeah. shit. I was like, I, I sort of feel like this needs to be in the Punisher TV series. I don't really feel like we need it in this TV series. Like if, I felt like they sort of strayed a little bit of that. Like, don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved the Punisher TV series and, you know, Punisher's still one of my favorite comic book characters, but I just felt like it didn't really need to be in there. But at the same time, it, it's sort of, then accentuated Wilson Fisk. So when he pops up again towards the end of season two, you're like, oh, that's right. This is how a fucking awesome villain can be. You know, this is what an awesome villain in this TV series can be. And instead we're getting, we're getting the hands. Who cares? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I was one of the other things, because you mentioned it earlier. So there was, there was little Easter eggs for comic book fans where they were talking about like the Punisher files and they said Warzone, And then they showed yes. like the skull at his trial. And then the last episode of season three, Daredevil was talking about being a man without fear. And I was like, God, that's so fucking cool. It was so great. They also ended with Bullseye getting an operation done on him. And Bullseye oh, in the yeah. comic now has adamantium bones. And so I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. Dude, he would be unstoppable because fucking Matt had a hard enough time with him without any fucking extra abilities. Exactly. Oh, that was another cool episode when, or part of the episode when Fisk was reading Bullseye's file and he was like seeing in his mind's eye all of the yes. fucking childhood shit that Ben had gone through. Oh, that was fucking I crazy. fucking loved that scene. I loved how it got into how he manipulates people, how he picks apart and sees exactly what motivates them and drives them and how to like manipulate them. Oh, I love that. He is that was so, so good. fucking, he's five steps ahead of everybody. And like to see and see at the end of the fucking episode or seasons, like how far back his manipulation has gone and all yeah. the shit that he's been doing to fuck with people. Like, Fucking Foggy's family, what was it, Poindexter's family, Nadim's family, like everybody had been set up. He killed the fucking ASAC's boss or her kid and then like just yeah. fucking people up left and right. Yeah. So good. As yeah, a bad motherfucker. What did you think of Bullseye? We didn't really talk about him too much. No, we haven't. He started off for me as quite possibly one of the most annoying one note characters, but as his mental degradation continued, 
he sort of became a lot more interesting, a lot more developed. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, because I, because I, the bullseye from the comics is this cackling version of the Joker, basically. He's like the Marvel's version of the Joker. He's like just batshit insane, yet never misses. And we saw that in this. Like, we saw that he never misses, but we never got that cackling insane sort of played for laughs. And so I, I think that was quite good because it, like, sure, it's a notable change, but at the same time, it fits within the world that this comic books, that these are created. Like, if he showed up as this cackling, insane person, you'd be like, oh, fuck off. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> it wouldn't fit. There was, like, a moment where you really saw that he had fucking gone off the edge because you, there's the whole running story, or, like, subtext, or, no, sub storyline, subplot, that's it, where Fisk is trying to get back that painting, like, the white one. Yeah. And he goes and finds a woman who won't sell, and she is basically was a victim of the Nazis, and like her whole family was killed, and she went through a whole bunch of shit. So like Fisk was like, okay, you can keep it. And then yeah. fucking turns out Ben went and fucking killed her and took it back, and there's like blood on the painting and shit. <laughs> Dude, you are a horrible person. That yeah, poor woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. What did yeah. you think of Vanessa? She was a little too one note, but at the same time, she played that role well. And I say one note because she starts off as this sort of like hoity-toity, rich, well-to-do sort of woman, but then we see that she's just as evil as he is. She's, yeah. Well, just as ruthless, really. Yeah. Well, so I was thinking when she finally came back and she was being all distant, I was thinking like i wonder how much of her being in the relationship is her choice because he's basically got everybody forced to do what he wants them to do and does she feel that pressure Mm. and then you find out no she's super fucked up too she just wants to be involved in all of the fucking mayhem yeah the actress playing her did an awesome job at just like completely misdirecting you you know it was just like full misdirection just like oh yeah sweet now nah, this is who she is sort of thing when yeah just that reveal as well yeah and you can fully buy the love between them as well you can see how much he craves her and you can see i don't know whether it's a replacement for his mother or just like he's trying to find some sort of like rock or somebody that he can emotionally invest in because he treats everyone else like shit maybe maybe it's a replace for weasley who he lost in this first season but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the thing that really bonds them is that he can 100% be himself with her. He doesn't yeah, have to hold that. anything back and he can feel accepted for everything that he is. And maybe that's why they're in love because they can both be their own shitty selves without judgment. That's the one because you definitely feel like he knows he doesn't fit into society. So he's trying to control society. He's trying to have everybody bend to his will. Yeah. Him shifting that narrative, especially at the press conference, like when the FBI was like, oh, we're dropping all the charges, he's a free man, and he's like shifting shit to be like, Daredevil's the real asshole, this is what happened, like, yeah. and people who were protesting are starting to buy his shit. It felt a little bit Trumpian, because he did say fake news at one point, and I was like, mm, excuse me. So, <laughs> some of that was a little too similar for my taste, but it's just like it shows that some of the shit isn't actually as made up as we might like to believe it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's the real scary part. It is. It is terrifying. All right, Sam, it is time for Mary Bang Kill, unless you have something else that you want to talk about that we haven't said. Well, we did think about stuff that we'd like to add to this that we sure. feel like we were Yeah, what missing. do you want to add besides yeah. extra seasons? <laughs> yeah, I mean, extra seasons, obviously, but yeah, I mean, like, as, as I said, the first season had a plethora of villains, and, like, they did have a couple of, like, subtle hints at other 
Marvel characters or they did, you know, directly reference them. Like we had Gladiator in this. But like I feel like Daredevil has a long history of just like other villains that could have been introduced. And I know the problem was that Marvel basically went to Netflix and said, here, you guys make some TV series. Here, you can have all these characters and everyone that's associated with them. And then from what I read is basically once they did that, the TV series were like, okay, cool, we're going to have this character. And Marvel's like, no, 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 we might use that in the movies. We might use that in the movies. We might use that in the movies. And pulled a lot of them back. So a lot of like, like they were very lucky to get Kingpin in the first season. And as a result, because I feel like they would have probably pulled him back and said, no, nah, we want him for Spider-Man or something like that. So there's other Daredevil villains. So like, like the owl is probably one of the most famous ones. Um, Wasn't that Leland? The accountant guy from the first season, I thought Leland Owlsley, wasn't that him? Oh fuck! Maybe you're right. I'm gonna have to take back every. (laughs) I'm gonna have to take back everything I'm saying. Uh, All right, now who's the real fucking comic book nerd, bitch? God damn it! Fuck, you're right. (laughs) Shit. Okay, yeah. Well, so there's there's some other ones. Um, The (laughs) hood. There's some other ones that we're not gonna name because Ashley will point out. I'll just start throwing (laughs) them out there. Stilt man, Jester. (laughs) <laughs> why don't we get the absolute man. joke of daredevil villains in there um another one get a which whole I, fucking rogues gallery Marvel yeah the whole style. rogues gallery I mean, just like just like batman has condiment king the daredevil oh has stilt man so crazy quilt that's another batman one that's off the beaten path yeah crazy quilt so crazy quilt's daredevil equivalent would be jester who's like a, a knockoff of joker except way worse um oh but one I, one I could have seen in season four is the hood. The hood was a basically a kingpin disciple that um, witnessed Daredevil doing some shit when he was a kid, and then sort of grows up and basically wants to take him on. So yeah, I mean, I, I could imagine him being sort of like a replacement for kingpin in season four, uh, just a dude with magical powers. But at the same time, we get Bullseye back. So there's stuff like that, and I I feel like Alice Eve was wasted as Bloody Mary over an Iron Fist. I would have had her in the Daredevil TV series. I'm down with that. Mm. Yeah, I feel like there. If we could ever get it rebooted on Netflix, there's a lot of room to take the story. Oh, it doesn't shit, all yes. have to just be focused on fucking Fisk, although he is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I would tune in, but wah, wah. <laughs> no such luck. God damn you, Marvel! It's kind of it's topical because I think about three weeks ago, the rights to Daredevil went back to Marvel uh, cinematic, like Marvel films. So that's it. Like Netflix no longer owns the rights to Daredevil to do any of their properties. So how long it's going to stay on the Netflix series, I've got no idea. Or how long it's going to be on Netflix for. Yeah. Well, at least I got another rewatch in. I think that was only the second time I've seen season three. Because I I think I watched season one, and then when season two came out, I rewatched one and then watched two. Then when season three came out, I started again, one, two, and three. And then, so I think I've only seen season three. This this was my second time. Oh, wow. I've seen yeah. it a lot. I, I I think I've seen season three four times, season one probably three or four times. And season two, I just finished the second rewatch just for this. What did you think of season two on your rewatch? Better than I remembered. I'll, I'll put it that way. Same. I remember, I'd, I mem- I'd, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I remember like enjoying it the first time around, but sort of being miffed. And I think the problem was that I rewatched season one in preparation for season two. And because season one is so good that by the time you go to watch season two you're like yeah but then watching it in isolation like i did this time it was like well this is actually really good yeah it wasn't as bad especially because i had kind of marked season two as the electra season and forgot how much punisher was in there and how good his storyline is yeah he saves it yeah he does he absolutely does okay now who do you want to marry bang and kill (laughs) this is such a tough question 
God damn. I can go first if you want me to. I honestly have been going back and forth on this all week. I, it's I, hard I, because all of these people are super fucked up. Yeah, exactly. It's like, who who has the most problems and who am I going to be happy being married to, basically? You go first. Okay. I'm going to kill Electra. That should go without saying. Yeah. I'm going to bang Matt because of his superpowers. He could probably make sure I have a real good fucking time. Yeah. And then I'm going to marry Frank Castle because he has morals and values and he could protect me. The end. Right. Um, fuck, I'm still... Oh, this is so fucking hard. <laughs> do, 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 do. Just wait for Who one. do you want to bang? That should be the easiest one. Oh, there's a toss-up between Karen Page and Claire. And then okay, then I... I would yeah. recommend marrying Claire over Karen Page, just to nah, say. Nah. You can still fuck people you marry, by the way. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I know you're married, you should know that. The, yeah, I'll, I'll get into it. Um, <laughs> okay, so this one for me is so ridiculously hard. So, if I'm going to kill anyone, it's Madame Gale. I'm terrified. <gasps> I don't want that woman roaming the streets. She terrifies okay, the hell out fair. of me. That's uh, fair. For... Bang, it's a toss-up between Claire and Karen. I'm gonna have to go with Karen because Claire's had Luke Cage and I don't think anybody <laughs> is going to come anywhere close to anything after Luke Cage. Like, part of me was like, oh, you definitely marry Claire, but I'm like, again, she's gonna be sitting there incredibly disappointed. Do you think she's just gonna be comparing you in her mind the whole time? Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> I'll, yeah. And I'm I'm never gonna match up. I mean, how do you match up to the man mountain that is Luke Cage? That's just unreal. <laughs> I I also I I was kind of debating as well because like 14 year old me used to love the Matrix and part of loving the Matrix was being in love with Carrie Ann Moss. So I was like Jerry Jerry and I was like yeah, but she's a lesbian. And then I thought well you know maybe if she was you know like maybe out in the town one night curious of whether she's a lesbian or not. Like we'd go home together and then I'd definitely prove to her that she is a lesbian. <laughs> So maybe that, maybe I'll get my sister uh, that out of my system. But no, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to have Karen. She's she's gorgeous and she's I imagine I mean, she'd be a lot of fun. She's stunning. I I could stare at Deborah Anwa all day. I watched actually True Blood, all of that series during quarantine, and she's in that. She's a very talented actress. Yeah, that's true. And then so that leaves me with Mary and. I'm going to go with someone that is both gorgeous, has a very good job, and sort of has a soft spot for losers. I'm going to go with Marcy. I knew it! As soon as you started setting that up, I was like, oh, is he going Marcy? I've got to go Marcy! Marcy redeemed the fuck out of herself. She did, but she, like, as I said, she's, like, intelligent. She's a lawyer. She's very well put together. She carries herself eloquently. You know, I'm, I'm happy to be a house husband. I don't give a shit, you know, if, if Marcy's my wife. And, again, she she's, like, nice to Foggy, even if Foggy's, like, an emo piece of shit. I, I can yeah. be an emo piece of shit. Take me out for a night on the piss. I'll be the opposite, but come the morning, I'm an emo piece of shit. And I feel like she would be awesome. So I will say she seems easily wowed because there is that supposed mind-boggling sex scene between uh, her and Foggy. Yeah. But like when it shows the aftermath, all that it is is her top blouse is unbuttoned a couple buttons and they're both still fully dressed. And she's like, that was better than okay. So I would say it doesn't take much to <laughs> exactly. please her. Exactly. Absolutely. Easy pleasy. Awesome. That- all right, Sam, tell everybody where they can find you and what your show's about if you are so inclined. 
Oh yeah, of course. Um, if you like hearing a couple of Kiwis, couple sometimes with an Australian or an American guest, talk an incredible amount of shit about a film, why don't you come over and listen to our podcast, which is the Movie Reviews and 20 Qs podcast, where we basically take a movie and ask 20 questions about it. So like we've sort of done with this, we try to ask sort of funny or poignant or absurd questions about it and analyze it from a different perspective, really. So you know, we might say, where would we incorporate Nicolas Cage into this film? Or what quote from this film would be the worst to hear after sex? Or what flavor pizza is this movie? That sort of shit. So we try and analyze it, but from a way that's kind of accessible, but at the same time gets you thinking a bit and makes you even wonder to yourself, how would I answer these questions? That's that's our podcast, Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. Hey, Sam, where would you insert Nicolas Cage into this series? Oh, fuck. See, he, he'd make a great stilt man. <laughs> He would, or Jester. He'd be one of those villains. Because, I mean, oh, Jessica Jones Jester. did it. They had Wizard pop up in one episode, and it was an absolute joke, and it was hilarious, and it was like a sort of fun way to get into an incredibly dark series. They could have done that with Daredevil, where they have Stiltman or Jester just down in Times Square being an absolute menace. Then Daredevil just shows up, pings him in the head with one of his things, and then that's the end. Good night. That would be Bangarang. Yeah. That would, that would, yeah, I absolutely. would kind of like to see Nicolas Cage as Ellison, the angry newspaper editor. Oh, Fuck yeah, that's a good answer as well. <laughs> I mean, you could put him anywhere and he would fucking improve the the series. Yeah, absolutely. He would yeah. even be an amusing kingpin to watch him fucking blow up and go over the top. Oh yeah, every time he fucking freaks out, that would just be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. Well, Sam, thank you for joining me. I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to talk about Daredevil and talk to you. Oh, thank you, Ashley. This has been absolutely my pleasure. I'm so, I was so excited about being here. I feel like we've done Daredevil uh, good justice. And also, like, it's it's amazing not to talk about films for a change. I There's tons of these TV series that I watch that I really wish we could talk about on our podcast. But uh, yeah, it's so good to be able to come on here and talk about it. Well, whenever you think of another show that you want to talk about, hit me up and we will be happy to have you back, brother. Oh, Brew? I'm going to send you like about Brew. 50. So. I, dude, I've got, I've got... Booked through January, all 2021. I'm an open book. Oh, speaking of January, no wait. Speaking of December, because that's the next month. So I'm definitely having Sean Ennis from Stories of Your and Your on, and possibly bringing back Nick Haskins. But we have TBD the series that we're talking about. I have to wait and get confirmation from both of them. But it's gonna be good. So that's it. I'll put it. I'll put it this way. I'm very much happy to come back and do Jessica Jones. I'd be all right to do Luke Cage, and there's no way in hell that you'll get me on to do Iron Fist. I didn't even finish fucking watching Iron Fist, and the first season of Jessica Jones is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, last season Love Jessica it. Jones was really good. The second season was, ugh. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a low. Yep. Marvel, Netflix. What's up with your second seasons? Get your shit together. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, that's it for us. I will see you guys next month. Actually, I won't see you, but you'll hear me. Deuces. Bye.
That's first class, ain't that some flash? Ooh, baby, you 